you will hear if you struggle with same-sex attraction. Here's the deal. I don't struggle with same-sex attraction. I succeed. I, <laughs> I succeed. I raise, I, I rose I'm- above. Uh, sorry, I um, have that song stuck in my head. That's I tr- not related to. <laughs> we were we always do a test before we start a new episode, and I was doing the test and going and then Grace was like, no, 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 do the test how you would actually start the episode, and then when we actually start the episode, lo and behold, I had that in my back pocket. This hilarious joke for anyone listening in. Hi, welcome to under our roof my name is grace and i'm eyewitness discovery which today wow wow good good i think that's the name of it is it i would yeah eyewitness discovery you'd see that uh you'd see their videos in museums and stuff you probably honestly if you're gen z you probably haven't we watched them like in school it was like a little educational video series that was popular yeah in the night at least in the 90s maybe other times also yeah let us know if you didn't grow up in the 90s um and you went through like elementary school and middle school what, what do they still roll out like a TV <laughs> like they yeah. used to? How does that work? Maybe like, every class has a TV. I don't do they know. They just send you a video on your phone. Like if you're in Zoom class, they probably just send you a link. It's not the same. Yeah, I lately have been feeling very nostalgic for certain things that were true to the way we grew up that are just so different than how things are now. And I realize it makes me sound very old, but it's just trivial things. I'm not like the youths of today. Or, <laughs> it's just things like the fact Truly, that... Truly, Lord help us if you ever tune in and we're bringing that energy. No, I, I think it's not good to just to judge other age groups because we all do go through different upbringings and that's part of what makes us all unique but anyway um when we were in school growing up you would have to watch a film or something if you were going to watch a a clip or an educational video Mm -hmm. or whatever in class they would roll on a cart yeah a big box tv into the id discovery wait is it eyewitness discovery or id it was eyewitness discovery had a chokehold on science and uh natural history you'd see that lion it was like this opening uh cgi thing of a lion running through a museum and i would always be disappointed when that didn't really happen when i went to a museum which is crazy to think about it shows my lack of judgment as a 12 year old (laughs) that i would like be sad that a tiger didn't like break out and run through a museum (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it seems it so like no i think it was a tiger oh really we can look it up later and honestly if we look it up later and i'm sure it's out there we'll we'll throw the link in the show notes for millennials that want to reminisce and gen z that wants to understand what the hell we're talking about that's gonna do it for this segue um <laughs> because that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today well but we're going on an on a investigative oh, journey gosh. Wow, you're it's you're reaching but i'm gonna support we're you we're going Go on. on on a journey to uh-huh. investigate and be eyewitnesses to mm-hmm. a phenomenon Ooh. called wow you're pulling this off praying for you playbook the praying for you playbook so if you follow me on social media i don't think you've talked about this have you not today not recently so if you follow me on social media something kind of happened this week that got my wheels spinning for an episode of the very podcast you're listening to, which was someone sent me screenshots of a conversation they were having with their best friend, ex-best friend, some a, a close loved one who was not a family member. 
And I am not kidding you that some of the things that were referenced, some of the sentences, the word choice was almost verbatim conversations I have had with my very own ex-best friend. We all have them. If you're, luck- if you're lucky and you're listening to this podcast, you probably know what I'm talking about. Oh, wait. Actually, you know what? Let me give that content warning because this episode is going to heavily deal with themes of um, religious trauma. There's going to be a lot of triggering language that we are going to be sharing as we go through the Play For You playbook. So if that's not something that you are open to hearing right now, take care of yourself. We'll see you on another episode or maybe come back at a later time. What we are trying to do is after I was looking through these text messages that this person sent me, I was like, there's got to be like a bingo or a playbook of all these terms and phrases that predominantly Christians send to predominantly queer people. I'm using general terms, but there are there's a lot of space and fluidity here that we should compile them all and kind of in our own dark humor way, uh, just make it play, play bingo or take a sip of whatever you're drinking as you listen to this podcast. Because I, I think that in revealing how repetitive these points are and how the goalpost always moves and how it becomes so familiar and how it is sort of like this playbook or a literal pamphlet in some cases, it kind of, for me, and perhaps for you, takes the bite and the power away from the people who say these things. So that's what we're trying to accomplish by sharing some of these stories and sharing some of these catchphrases. Yeah, it's it's just like common... Yeah, fill up your bingo card with like, oh, heard that one before, heard that (laughs) one before. But I will say if you haven't turned – if you heard the content warning and you haven't turned off the episode yet, I definitely think that content warning is important here because we are going to be reading verbatim quotes from people that are trying to change someone and things like that. So if that's not good for you to hear, don't listen to to the rest of this. But I'm not trying to get you to convince you to listen if if it's not for you. But I will say – We're not going to be reading these and like, oh, isn't that so sad? We're going to be roasting these things. So we're going to keep it lighthearted because I truly believe it's just so ridiculous, the things that people say. So we're we're coming at it from that angle. Yes. So if that's going to sway your decision of whether this will be okay for you to listen to, I really, really think that we're not going to leave you with a somber or bummed out feeling after this episode. Yes, because who you are is valid and true. And someone being uh, the Kool-Aid man and bursting into your life with whatever revelation they claim to have is objectively so stupid and they look silly. So we would like to point that out kind of take the Drew F. Wallow approach to this. If you are familiar with Drew on TikTok, our reigning our reigning queen, I guess. We'll link her TikTok profile. On, yeah. But she makes a lot of videos calling out uh, misogynistic people. So she'll stitch their video where they're like making some sort of misogynistic joke or whatever. And she'll make a video roasting them. We cannot be as funny no. or sharp as she is. We just, no one can, but well, we're kind of taking our cues from that yes. style. Yes, yes, yes. So with that being said, this is the Pray For You playbook. Wait, and praying for you, I thought. Praying for you. What did we say? What did this I say? Is, the, you said the Pray For You playbook. Oh, gosh. Like, pray. Yeah. No, I think that's but right. I think pray it's praying. Praying for you. The pray, like, I'm praying for you. I'm praying. Praying the for praying you. The praying for you playbook. 
Oh, okay. I think. No, yeah. I mean, I guess either one works. Okay. But yeah, this is uh, this is what this episode is going to be, and we'll we'll dive right into it after the break. Hi, Grace and Lizzie here. This is not an advertisement, but this is a warning. Um, If you are a loyal listener of this podcast, you may know that we struggle with sometimes some audio interference. And we think it might have something to do with our phones, but we don't know for sure. What's important is that after I am back from tour with Reliant K, we are going to be changing our podcast setup. So We are really looking forward to not having to give you this warning. But in the meanwhile, we need to have our phones to do this episode properly. So if there is interference, we would just like to address that now and apologize in advance. I'm going to put it out there. I don't think there's going to be... I think it's going to be flawless. The power of positive thinking. Power of positive thinking. Power of positive thinking. We'll find out. Yeah, you talk, you shouldn't private. I go public, you don't like it. God is amazing. And your church is crazy. Fuck off to your worldview and scare. All right. So we asked, Grace asked on your Instagram mm-hmm. uh, for, for what the common phrases are that people have experienced. Yes. And we got some great answers we got some incredible answers some great words of encouragement which is definitely what i would like to close on we also received a lot of messages so i will not be able to get to everybody's but i appreciate everyone for writing in and i've read as many of them as i can but without further ado let's just start off with some quick hitters so remember if you are drinking tea if you're drinking tequila if you're drinking water take a sip or add to your bingo card, if any of these have been said to you. I don't think it would be honoring to God for me to help you. (laughs) (laughs) My faith prevents me from attending your event. (laughs) Because my favorite favorite Bible passage is the events list. (laughs) Have you read Gay Girl Good God? Here's my copy. You should check it out. You cannot be living the gay lifestyle and call yourself a sister in Christ. Lifestyle. That word. I feel like the way that we do concerts is the gay lifestyle. Okay, describe. The way that we did Carly Rae Jepsen. Like, that is the gay lifestyle. Like, going Going, to your favorite mm -hmm. artist and, like, getting VIP tickets and doing the meet and greet and, like, doing it all up. Yeah. But also building in time to go to Denny's and yet still have amazing standing room. Yes. Like, all of these things, you and I would joke, is the gay lifestyle. But also, we say that ironically because that's not a life well i feel like we as gays like finesse situations really well and kind of like live the best way that we can like i always say the best revenge is living well and gay people are wronged a lot so we do have people that we need revenge on Mm. and the best way to get that and i have truly made this the philosophy of my adult life is living really well yeah like doing it up enjoying the finer things in life whenever i can treating myself i'm worth it like i think that's a very gay quality and that's kind of the gay lifestyle yes however i think that's what we mean when we like jokingly refer to the lifestyle but i think when it was introduced in like christian language Mm -hmm. they only mean sex the irony too is that like christians love talking about sex as much as they like clutch their pearls 
they very much love to talk about sex yeah well it's like people i've heard people that i like grew up going to church with say things like we are saving ourselves for marriage like them and their spouse soon to be like people that are engaged this is more like i mean all those people tended to get married at like 23 so that was a while ago but like people that i that were kind of i kind of came up with i would Mm -hmm. see them be like we you know little jimmy and i are saving ourselves for marriage I'm like, I don't need to know that. Like they, it's, it's you know a what weird I mean? thing it, to offer. It's weird to like say, it's like, imagine if you were dating somebody and you went to a party and you're like, we have had sex at this point. Like we now have. <laughs> or if you were like, so like me and Derek have not yet had sex. Like you, why would you volunteer that? Yeah, it's, it's so weird. Furthermore, the other thing that about the the Christian lifestyle that I think is interesting is they have sort of... um this idea of like sexual supremacy if they do save themselves mm-hmm. to marriage for marriage and then they'll make reels uh mm-hmm. first I, I don't know why but they'll make a bunch of like reels and stuff to be like like how good the sex is when you wait until marriage and then it's like with some sound that was trending on tiktok three months ago it's like <laughs> go off yeah awesome mm-hmm. last quick hitter from this one there is nothing wrong with having same-sex impulses <laughs> however acting on it is a sin and you should be single for jesus mm, yes 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 okay some of those reminded me actually mm-hmm. can i read one next that i got in yeah. an email okay. yeah okay this is kind of a longer one but maybe are we ready to move into that sure all right so this is um a longer story about basically somebody it sounds like they used to work at a christian school mm-hmm. and told and I'm just keeping this super anonymous, so I'm not going to say the denomination or anything, um, but told the former co-workers at that school that um, this person was gay and left the school because there's no real place for them to be there as a gay mm. person at this conservative Christian school. Basically, oh, this reminds me of one of the things that was in the ones you just read. This email from the school said, since your confession is no longer the confession of the school, I'm not going to say the name, it would seem that a letter of resignation is in order. I'm surprised that you have not chosen to respond to our many efforts to contact you. You were bold in your letter to the staff, I guess, saying that they're gay. I hope you can be bold enough to send me a letter resigning from the (laughs) roster. It is only fair to let us know that the confession you once held is no longer yours. And then in the email signature, it has a Bible verse. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. What do you mean confession? Okay, so I feel like... These are my confessions. No, it's like a big... You haven't heard that? Maybe that's more of like I've a heard, Southern evangelical thing, yeah. that they're big on like confess that Jesus is Lord. Like they always oh, say confess. I guess I have heard that, but yeah, that's not really the tradition I was raised in. Right. That was definitely me growing up. And it's like that quote of that person's email, and there was more to it. I can read that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like people love to say... like. So I guess you're not Christian anymore. Like, you can't, like, you must revoke your confession. Oh, and this is similar to something else, too. This person says, to the person that came out, their response was, I have a good, I have a good friend who experiences desire for a homosexual relationship every day. First of all, fire intro. (laughs) Tell me, tell me that you don't have a good friend who's gay without telling me. He did I have a good friend who experiences desire for a homosexual relationship every day. He wakes up and just absolutely desires a homosexual <laughs> relationship. His mm-hmm. name is Colton Underwood. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, it goes on. 
He denies those desires and has for some 50 years with various failings along the way. Oh my gosh. He denies those desires because he knows that he can be no he can no more ignore what the Bible says about homosexual behavior than he can ignore what it says about murder or about the resurrection for that matter. He does not do this because he wants to be good. He does this because he wants to be faithful to the word of God, that is to Jesus. He does <laughs> This is such a gay letter, too, to the word of God. That is Jesus. <laughs> he does this. Yeah, I know. It's like, this is very, it's like, speaking so for a friend vibes. Yeah. He does this because he knows that love is not defined by what makes us feel good, but by what God actually says. This is the love that I pray will fill, will fill your heart. Iconic. We have to let Bean out. We will be right back with more Praying For You playbook. Beanie. We have to take an ad break now, Bean, and you know we don't have a sponsor for this episode. We apologize for that unscheduled commercial break from our producer. He is a really rigid producer, and he gets what he wants with each of his segments. Okay, I would like to share a story that was DM'd to me. I'm going to keep everything anonymous just be- to keep it to keep it cute, you know? This person says, oh, I got you, bud. When I was getting divorced from my abusive ex-husband, one of the pastors at my church who I considered a friend tried to tell me that marriage is supposed to be that hard. That's a bingo yeah, thing. Yeah, that's, that's such a bingo, bingo thing. And that abuse during the first year of marriage is normal. And that I just needed to endure this season and pray through it. Not to mention that two other friends told me I wasn't making a godly decision by getting divorced and asked if they could get coffee with me to talk about how to reconcile with my ex-husband. Why is it always coffee? <laughs> I can answer why it's always coffee. Because alcohol is like... I feel like alcohol is kind of like up for debate within Christian circles. They'll always be like, oh, yeah, you can have a beer now and again, but you just don't want to let it stray you from Christ. (laughs) Like if you get too drunk and have too much fun, you may you may not think of our Lord. (laughs) (laughs) But if you have one like that's what the boundary is. It's like, you sure you can have a little have a little a sippy sip now and again. There's nothing wrong with that. Jesus drank wine. But if it's more than that, then you could stray from our Lord. I mean, I grew up drinking grape juice for communion. Right. But I also think it's interesting, too, because I know a lot of my Catholic friends drank a lot with their families, like even before I was like drinking. I feel like Catholics are big on the like, oh, they got like real the wine, real wine. Yeah. yeah at communion, wine. So they clearly don't have like a rule against. So I feel drink. like that's why it's coffee. And then it's like if they go into bars, they'll be scared of the heathens. Um. Anyway, we continue with our message. I was told I was breaking the marriage covenant needed to forgive him, etc. Because God is bigger than this and could redeem me. Bean, our producer is really... I mean, he's fired up about the episode today. I lost pretty much my entire friend group over it. Best decision I ever made. Well, I'm so sorry that you went through this and I'm so happy that you're in a better place now. And can I tell you my own my own story? I kind of want to be careful about what I exactly what I say here because I don't I just really cannot speak to anyone else's relationships and what's healthy for them but what I can tell you is that I have known Christians before who have gotten divorced and not taken off their wedding ring and for years these are not friends of mine just people I know (laughs) my (laughs) close friend but for years following would be like no we're still married in the eyes of God even after 
like his ex-wife remarried he's like no we're still married in the eyes of god and would like keep the wedding ring on that's like in the tutors the tv show yeah when um where where is this going when catherine who was married to henry the eighth his original wife Mm -hmm. he's the one who like split up the church in order to be able to get a divorce Mm -hmm. you know she always said like i will always be your wife oh yeah yeah so it's Toxic. kind of like medieval. It's very medieval. Yeah. And you know what? Vintage. Yeah. A vintage view. Mm-hmm. We have an interesting submission. This is from someone who used to be the invite to coffee. So this person says, one of my best friends in high school came out to me as gay, and me being the, quote, perfect Christian that I was at the time, told her I still loved her but hated the sin. So if you had love the sin or hate the sin on your bingo card, time to take a big sip. <laughs> Looking back, what does that even fucking mean? Five years later, I finally realized I was gay and I apologized to her. But it's crazy how Christians just regurgitate these sayings because that's what the church says. So you can add this saying to your bingo. Hate the sin, love the sinner. What the fuck? (laughs) Thank you for writing in and sharing some of your story. Definitely an interesting perspective to have something that i think about too that i've certainly experienced i don't know if you've experienced this before but christians hating what they're doing as they do the thing being like this is so hard for me like i hate that that i have to do this to you i hate that i have to be awful to you as almost yeah. a, as a way of sort of exonerating them from responsibility for causing the harm. It's totally exonerating from responsibility. And I think it's just, it's like <laughs> Christians, well, I don't want to generalize because obviously, as we know from this podcast, there's so many different types of people that technically could fit that label or claim right. it. But, I, yeah. but I, I feel like Christians are very, uh, I mean, I guess gaslighting kind of would be the word where it's like, They're so obsessed with like, no, I'm loving. I'm loving. And so then they do something like horribly unloving. And it's like, this is from love. (laughs) It has to be like, oh, but actually the thing that you're saying is loving feels like a punch in my face. And they'll be like, well, no, because it was loving. So it shouldn't feel that way. It actually should feel like love, like tough love. It's like one. I don't know if anyone wrote this in, but people are like, well, if I truly believe that if you don't follow Jesus, you're going to spend an eternity like in hell or away from Jesus, then the most loving thing I can possibly do is to get you to turn back to Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that kind of like mentality. And and being very uh, non-receptive when in my, when I've been like, I don't experience this as love. This mm-hmm. actually doesn't feel like love to me. They'll literally be like, moving on, um, <laughs> <laughs> moving forward, here are my demands. It's yeah. like, what? Um, the other thing I want to point out is that I feel like recently we've, I feel like recently I've been doing more Christian content than per usual, which is strange coming from me because I feel like it's been something I've obviously been working through pretty publicly for a while, but I want to clarify that I identify myself as a Christian, and I think that that's important because I think I think of people who are like, I'm not religion, like, that's not for me, like, I'm just a Jesus follower, oh, typically God. is something that is said to exonerate yourself from any responsibility for the systemic harm that is baked into Western Christianity and the supremacy culture that it contributes to. So I, the reason why I'm I call myself a Christian and also I I don't believe in the like doing the not all Christians thing is because I just don't think it's honest. I think that it's important to recognize that the majority of Christians 
do believe this. I mean, I guess I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't have, I'd have to look at statistics, but like the reason why there is anti LGBTQ plus legislation that is still introduced, that is still being passed in this country, and I'll only speak to this country, is because we have a Christian voting block. So I just, I don't want to be like, oh no, I'm not like them. Like, unfortunately, I have to take responsibility for other members of my faith group. And by being mm-hmm. like, no, I'm not like that, it it's trying to sort of skirt away any sort of responsibility and accountability that I have for being born into this religion and trying to make sense of it all. I'm still trying to make sense of it. And maybe we'll do a future episode on exactly like what we believe. But when I say Christians, I I am including myself, even though I have not like (laughs) sent, like I haven't sent these messages and I don't plan to unless there's like a, I don't know, like a body snatcher plot twist, a terrible episode of Freaky Friday. (laughs) Can you imagine? I don't want to. No, it's awful. The, Okay, the responsibility thing actually reminds me of another thing that I want to throw in the ring as a potential bingo card. Okay, everyone get ready to drink. So Christians of the type that we're kind of roasting of this this variety of this variety, the garden variety, this font of Christians. I do find that the taking responsibility is a big area of improvement Mm. for improvement. It has not been improved. This is this is part and parcel of that, which Mm -hmm. is God put it on my heart. To oh tell you. God, because it, it also heart. deflects. It's like it's not you know me; I mean? it's God. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good one. And by that, I mean it's a bad one. Yeah. Okay. Oh. So something fascinating that I learned recently is that in Mormonism, it's apparently very common to talk about like a vision being revealed to you. I might be mm-hmm. butchering this, but like it's sort of you know how there's there's isms and there's colloquial things within different denominations. Like for apparently Mormons, it's common to say like something was revealed to me. There was like a personal revelation that mm-hmm. like God gave me or something. And people use that a lot to be like, God gave me like a revelation that like you and I are meant to be married mm. and stuff like that. It's kind of in the same vein, but it totally, it's like, I wanted to do something. God put it on my heart. When I started presenting as gayer, I had so many people reach out to me on Facebook. It was probably part of the reason why I stopped using Facebook, <laughs> but also Facebook is just really a, an awful piece of internet if you ask me and i had so many people be like hey like god just told me to reach out to you and i'm like no it that's not what happened you think i look gay now and i and that's because i'm gay now <laughs> hey friend <laughs> yeah it's so like hey girl this is so crazy god i was just praying the other day and god was like great and i was like no what happened is the algorithm showed you a photo of me holding probably you um, at this time, it was probably like me and you mm-hmm. like smooching or something. And they were like, oh, it's and, and the weirdest thing was when it was messages from guys, I received a message from a guy that was like, God told me to let you know that like, you're beautiful. And I'm like, do you think that the reason I'm gay is because I just hadn't heard that I was beautiful from like an annoying guy that brought a guitar everywhere in youth group? I'm good. I'm super good. I think I just said, like, thanks, and just kept it moving, and then immediately deleted the entire app. Here's another story. I have a Pray For You playbook story for Under Our Roof. Well, thank you so much for writing in. That is the name of this podcast. Met my former best friend at church camp, because of course I did, and we were long-distance BFFs for years. As adults, she moved across the country to plant a church. I came out as bi, left my ministry job, and subsequently the church altogether. We started with pretty different views, but it was clear to me that they were polarizing pretty quickly. 
Long story short, our friendship ended after she told me she was worried about the dark spirits I was filled with. She told me that the reason I was struggling with mental illness and sexual sin was because I was reading Richard Rohr and didn't have a church home. She (laughs) recently texted me and told me she was praying for me and hopes my husband and I are raising our children knowing their Lord. (laughs) Love to see love it. Love the input love on. Love to see it. Love the input on how you're raising your children. Also, that reminds me of something. Yes. So, anytime the dark spirit stuff comes up or dark like spirits. demon type things, you know that it's going to be good. It's going to be it's really good. good. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be that good shit. That reminds me. So, there was this one like totally insane family at my church growing up. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm being snarky. I'm not going to like name them, but I mean, they were like hookoo. I mean, it's like comical looking back Mm -hmm. they would like talk about this like snake spirit coming out of their dog and how their dog had been like possessed by the devil and then they like got it out that's a a lot to say that you're not training your dog (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i don't try to take that excuse i could i could say that bean is a demon like i mean i can say bean is demonic but i don't think it's a demon i think that it's it's the lack of training anyway they they never knew that i was gay maybe they probably do now but i don't have any way of contacting let's them. let's reach out yeah <laughs> i have no way of contacting them nor let's get them on the line actually they're oh, i'm about to like identify them but not really their kid went to our college elon mm-hmm. who what was the first name no i'm not gonna it's kind of distinctive oh, okay no but mind. anyway they would talk about like spirits coming out of their dog and stuff they never knew that i was gay at least during this time but i remember when I told them that I was moving to California or like it came up. We were like in the church in the hallway. My mom said something about me going to Berkeley. And I mean, I guess they like associated Berkeley with being super liberal, which Satan it is (laughs) something about like, oh, yeah, like Lizzie's going to go to Berkeley for law school. Like she's moving out there. And they were like, oh, they literally cover their faces and start shuddering. They're like, you don't want it. You don't want to go. Like, what? That's gonna be yeah, and this family that I babysat for also mm-hmm. was like, oh, like people have two heads out there. Like you don't even know what it would be like what? if you were to do something like that. The idea of even like moving to California, like that's mm-hmm. what we're dealing with. That level of suspicion, <laughs> distrust, and delusion and paranoia. Oh no. The other thing that I would like to remind you of, if you're feeling a little uh disheartened or whatever, is that like The words that people choose to throw at you tell more about them and what they're going through than it does anything about you. So what comes to mind is you will hear if you struggle with same-sex attraction. Here's the deal. I don't struggle with same-sex attraction. I succeed. I I I rose above. I'm accomplished. I rose above the struggles and I started making it work for me. Here's the like, I struggled when I was in the closet and around toxic Christians, regressive Christians, was when I struggled with my sexuality. That was when I had this really unhealthy, all consuming relationship to gender and sexuality. It was all I thought about because I was not allowed to be myself. As soon as I allowed myself to be the person that God created me to be, it feels like this relief, like this this heavy burden was just lifted off of my heart. And then you realize who placed it there in the first place. It was never of or from God. It was always other people and the world. It was always that. 
And so when they say struggle and like when they compare it to an addiction, what they're actually telling you is that that is something they are working through in their own life. They are navigating their own relationship to sexuality and gender and expression. And that sucks that they're in a community that would equate that to something that can be as debilitating as addiction and further stigmatize addiction, by the way, which just generally is awful. But that has nothing to do with you. And I just hope you remember that because like Lizzie said, I, I do not struggle with my <laughs> sexuality. I, I fucking won, dude. And they're just that the reason why I don't get invited to coffee anymore is because I think a lot of people see from past lives and stuff. You can't reach me anymore because I see this shit for what it is. Yeah. Like I see it for what it is. And if you try and sell me the snake oil that you're drinking, I know it's poison and I got it out of my system and I'm sad that you're still drinking it. I'm really sad, but it's also not my problem. And I, I wish that you could find the affirming resources in your own life to be better to yourself and those around you. Moving on. <clears throat> that wasn't really a funny roast, but I meant it. <laughs> We have we have a family number one. Oh, Buckle no. up. Oh, it's sad. It is sad. It is sad. Um, my brother used every trick in the book. He told me he didn't want me to end up on the streets if my partner <laughs> and I broke up. He told me that he thought my dad would have a heart attack. No joke. If I came out to him and that he was worried that dad might die. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, that's so so cruel. That's, he, again, like, the refusing to take responsibility. You're yeah. trying to, like, blame it on you killing someone? Yeah, yeah. What? It's Yeah, it's all about, like, it's not about me being homophobic. Yeah. It's that dad might die. And you're like, wait, what? who is even bringing up dad? It gets worse, though, lady. He used my dead mom to try to guilt me. He asked me if I were on my deathbed like she had been. Would I not regret choosing this life? He asked, ooh, get ready to drink. This is a bingo one. He asked... How I know that I'm gay? Like, am I sure? He asked what I would tell his kids if they ever came out to me. Wait, he asked what I would tell his, his kids. kids. What would you tell oh, him oh. If, the, if his kids ever came out to this person? What? There was so much more he said that was completely offensive, but those are the main ones I remember. And let me tell this person, I'm very thankful that you don't remember a lot of this because it's so awful and... I feel like this is more of a joke that people say. I honestly think yeah. it like originated in a joke sense, but I guess Christians have co-opted it. But the quote of like God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Yeah. And it's like, sir, no one's saying that straight people don't exist. <laughs> like why what does that mean? Adam and Eve. No one is trying to rewrite that creation story. Yeah. Which by the way, there are so many creation stories and there are more than one in the Bible. Well, it's I like, didn't know that until recently. That that argument, I mean, I don't even know if that's an argument. It's just like a little quip. But it's like, okay, there's two halves of this. I think you're saying like, well, if God had made Adam and Steve, then like things would have been different. It's like, yeah. Also, no one's saying that like two cis men can procreate. Mm -hmm. Like we know that. Yep. That isn't like the point at all. Yeah. Well, it's I think so also unhinged. it's a very like literal and rigid interpretation yeah. uh, because they'll be like, well, you're supposed to 
the the fruit of your marriage or whatnot. And it's this very literal of like the fruit is baby, baby is fruit. Well, it's also like you know if you if you believe a literal interpretation of that, then there's a lot of incest, a lot oh, of so incest. There's a lot, mostly. That'd be like if everything, everyone on Earth died, and then it was just your parents, and they made you in Kempton. And you would have to carry on the race. Absolutely. I hate this. You example. wouldn't. The race would, the human race would die. Yeah. But then also it happened over again because then Noah, if you mm-hmm. follow the Bible, if you read the Bible mm-hmm. and take it literally, which is another bingo, then Noah <laughs> should drink if you've heard that. <laughs> if you read, if you read your Bible and take it literally, then Noah and his family uh-huh. were the only people left yet again. It, it and just... then they had to restart the human race mm-hmm. with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a a literal interpretation of the Bible, I think, is just, is quite limiting for me. I think that when we look at it as ancient inspired wisdom, I mean, it was never presented to me, and I feel very fortunate in that all of this literally happened, and that's part of the mystery and the wonder of God and divinity and the writings that it inspired. I think it's really limiting when you try, like the people that are, that try to, um, like when they're like, we found the ark, like here's the ark, it's the real ark. Oh yeah. Bible artifacts. I I feel in general, some things can be really cool, but Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's kind of missing the point and the message of what I think the Bible is. My dad always used to say like, the Bible is not a rule book, it's a love story. And I think that's a rather beautiful way of of thinking about it. Here's here's another quote from this person. If God wanted us to be with the same sex, he'd make the parts fit. One could argue, my friend, they do. <laughs> Tell me that you're having bad sex without telling me. The parts fit. The parts fit. There we go. End of, that's the end of the sex. The parts <laughs> fit. Oh. oh. We can disagree and still love each other. Gosh. Not about that. That's, that's, the, that's where I've been hitting a roadblock recently with persons in my own life. It really is not an agree to disagree on the humanity of another person. It's just not in the cards for me. And it makes me sad that other people come to you with that as an offer. Yeah, totally. I think that makes me so sad. And I've expressed that to someone quite recently, where if you experience people placing conditions on your humanity as love, and you find that dignifying... I am heartbroken for you. You do not deserve that. That doesn't mean you can do that to me mm-hmm. and ask me to accept it. Because I won't. And I don't. And I'm blocked. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> not to get too, like, philosophical, but I think for me, like, I don't, I really don't know. And I feel like with each passing year, I know less about what I think the afterlife is or heaven or what comes after this life or anything like that. I just, I do not know. Mm-hmm. I would be like out of step if I pretended to. But one thing that I like to think about sometimes when things are hard and it feels like there's just a a gulf between you and somebody is I do think for me, even the worst things that people have done to me and the worst things that I've done to other people, I can imagine a world or a future in which our souls are all like freed from every hurt and every misunderstanding in a future sort of afterlife mm. and that you know it's not like in my mind walking up to each other on the street in like our human bodies but just in the sense of like a communion of souls that are totally freed from like the fear and the toxicity that many of us have 
gotten entwined with in this life. So I think that that could totally be the case because, I mean, I think that could be the case. And like, that gives me comfort to know that maybe it is a lost cause Mm -hmm. with somebody in this lifetime. But that doesn't mean if I'm going to believe in anything in terms of God and religion, that's something that I can at least think about. However, I see nothing wrong with being like, see you then. (laughs) See you then. I will see you when we get there. (laughs) And I I mean. See you in heaven. See you in heaven. I think for me, I I really like feel so heavy hearted for you, Grace, a lot of times when you have to deal with, you know, this one person in particular that's been so awful to you because I don't really have like a correlation. But I think for me, I am, I have like, you know, kind of cut out Mm -hmm. so much of the people that I grew up around. Just to be honest, I just do not, I kind of went no contact practically with like my entire community from growing up, save except for very few specific people from my hometown that I love and that will probably always be in my life. But I don't know, I'm kind of like that. Like, it makes me think of when I was little, I don't even remember this, but several people have told me, like my mom and teachers and stuff, that I basically like pretended to not know how to read at all. And I would never read out loud, never like try to read and sound things out. I just like had no interest in it until I could read perfectly. And then I was like reading like adult books. Mm-hmm. Like I never was like, I'm going to try to like sound this out and maybe like not know the word. I was like, mm, not interested. And then I was like, you know, reading like grade levels above and like totally, you know, off to the races with reading. But I never wanted anybody to see me not be perfect at reading. Yeah. I'm kind of the same way in terms of like, if anyone has anything to say about my life and like my marriage, you will never get within 20 feet of me. Mm. Like I, that is just beyond to me i'm like you've got to be kidding yeah like there's no way you would ever be in my life yeah i know that's not for everybody no totally i mean i think i think it's really important to discuss different boundaries that we all draw because it's going to be different to everyone there's no any any podcast that tells you or any person with any sort of platform or authority that tells you i have the answer i figured out life there it's not true. Do not trust them. It's going to look different for everyone. Everyone's tools will apply differently. And I think for me, something I really struggle with is boundaries. It's really hard for me to be like, this is done. I think especially when I when I love someone, when I mm-hmm. care about someone, the door is always open. And I don't know how to close it. I'm trying to. I don't know... But I don't know if I ever will like lock it. I think especially with the th- you know what's been going on recently, like I think this will make more sense when you hear the record. If that makes not to like tease it too much, not to be annoying, but like it will make more sense. Is that like the door is actually closed? But I don't think I could ever lock it. Mm. Um, and I don't know why. And I yeah. and I don't necessarily think that it's like right or wrong. I'm just thankful that I have people in my life that can be with me through the whole thing. Let's get. Back to some of your messages. Oh my gosh, speaking of a childhood ex-best friend, you don't say. Again, <laughs> we we did all have the same friend. When I came out to my childhood best friend, she initially assumed I was just mad at men <laughs> and, and 
needed to wait for the right one to come along. Two years later, she's beginning to accept that my same-sex attraction, parentheses, please just call me gay, I roll, may be legitimate. Oh, wait, may be a legitimate thorn in my flesh that I struggle with. Again, that says so much about her and how she experiences sexuality. She has reminded me that my, quote, lifestyle, there it is, Mm -hmm. will never, quote, satisfy as only a godly heterosexual relationship could. Pretty sure there's many studies showing that um, the hetero relationships Mm -hmm. literally don't satisfy the Mm -hmm. way that the Mm -hmm. homo ones do. And I also feel comfortable to share this person's name because I think the word sad, they say, I think the word satisfy is funny for a multitude of reasons. I was a career worship leader at a Southern Baptist church in Texas, left that to move to Nashville and start making music that was honest. And if you are interested in this person's music, you can find it at Hannah Hall Music on Instagram. So Hannah, thank you so much for writing in and thanks for listening and sharing your story. People really do love to say that like your life won't be good Mm -hmm. and you won't be satisfied or you won't be Mm -hmm. uh fulfilled Mm -hmm. what you don't know anything about how i experience life yeah like what on earth are you talking about yeah and i think it also reminds me of the earlier message that we read about the expectation that marriage is always really hard yeah that's something that i think is a really sort of toxic talking point that gets pushed a lot in christian circles especially totally um where it's like no it's not that your marriage isn't working it's that marriage is so hard every day we wake up and it's rough and it's we don't really even like each other and it's no fun and that's love and it's like what all of those kind of things fall apart for me because i'll i've heard the argument that like well men and women are meant to be together because they're so different and it's so hard for them to live under the same roof. And that's God. And that's how, you know, it's to remind you of like our relationships with God. I'm like, but I thought that God loves us unconditionally. (laughs) It's so hard for God. No, and it's like, but God does love us unconditionally, but he hates doing it. Yeah, I'm like, (laughs) what? Also, my friends that have, my friends that are uh, straight or are in a relationship with somebody who are cis, who are in the relationship with an opposite sex, I don't want to like phrase this wrong, but like my straight friends that are in relationships, mm-hmm. all of them seem really happy and healthy and they don't find it hard to live together. No. Like occasionally my friend will say something about like, oh yeah, like he's not as clean as me or whatever. But I mean, minor things yeah. like it, they, they like living together. They, they enjoy yeah. each other's company. And none of them like, you know, it's almost like a church type relationship. Right. It's, it's, it's almost like the, gender roles prescribed in this predominant christian culture are not conducive to a yes okay there was some tiktok or something that grace and i saw months ago that was so fascinating that was basically just like the way that men and women are socialized in western like religious culture makes them incompatible Mm. yeah i remember that that was like tiktok i think yeah such an interesting thing we have a long story but i think it's a good one we're gonna read this one and then i wanted to share some encouraging words from another listener before we close out this episode but again we had so many submissions thank you everyone who was vulnerable sharing some of their bingo submissions their their playbooks so we can all compare notes and stay prepared stay ready stay stay vigilant but we'll we'll close with this story I have a submission that you have my permission to share. About a year ago, I had just professed my love to my best friend in the world and experienced heartbreaking rejection from them. When I decided to confide 
to confide in my other best friend about how much I was hurting, she told me that I should be thankful for the rejection because it was God saving me from a sinful relationship. I may borrow that. <laughs> I may borrow that anytime I'm rejected from like, like what was the time when we were like at drive throughs like, oh, can we have a, the spicy potato soft tacos? Oh, sorry, we're sold out of that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for rejecting me from that saving sinful, me from that sinful saving me from that sinful relationship with the spicy potato soft taco. <laughs> She said I should take it as a sign that my love for them was wrong and count it as an opportunity. <laughs> oh, God, this is so brutal. And count it as an opportunity to rededicate myself to Christ and desires that will honor him, which are heterosexual desires because God loves them. He lo- He's so honored by the desire. Porn. It's his favorite desire. It's straight porn. Um, and only pursue men from that point on. Talk about salt in the wound. That is brutal. The extra messy part is that all three of us lived together at the time. And a few months later, this same ex-best friend moved out of the apartment because she felt spiritual warfare living in the (laughs) same place. They love the spiritual warfare. Ah, She felt spiritual warfare living in the same place as two openly queer people who were going through deconstruction, even though both of us were still 100% Christians, just not in the way that she deemed as true Christianity. Of course. God, I hear that all the time time like if if ever there's like a video or a tweet or something about me from a christian that disagrees it's always like not true not true christian not a false god paul warned us we've been warned watch out it's always that it's always i'm like i i actually pray too and they're like no you don't not to the real god he doesn't hear you you know anyway It's so interesting to me that I was able to make my friendship work with the best friend that I had been rejected by, but that my other best friend completely left our lives just because we lived out our faith differently from her. It is interesting. I will say it is not surprising. Um, Remaining friends with someone who you may have had a crush on is actually queer culture. Um, Absolutely. And And living together even. Yeah. And uh, and, uh, basically alleging spiritual warfare because (laughs) gay people exist uh, is is a Christian canon uh, these days. So these days and really all days. Um, This is the end of days. Anyway, uh, (laughs) she kept insisting that she. Oh, gosh, goodness me. It is the same. We all have the same friend. She kept insisting that she still loved us, but she was also adamant that there was a demonic presence in our (laughs) apartment and that the Holy Spirit convicted her every time she spent time with us. So kind of hard to believe that she cared much about us. Weirdly enough, I still miss her sometimes, but in the end, I was very thankful that she moved out. It gave me space to grow and process things separately from her in a way that I didn't realize how much I needed until she was gone. It hurts like hell to have someone important to you reject you, especially in the name of God. But it's amazing how much of a difference it can make when a toxic person like that leaves your life. I hope everyone else out there who's lost a bigoted bestie (laughs) is learning to thrive without them, even even though it's painful. Thanks for addressing this topic with the house guests. I have a feeling it's making a lot of people feel less alone in this experience. It's definitely doing that for me. That was such a kind note. I'm feeling a little caught up because of the the closing remark i i that is my hope and with this episode is that through sharing our stories and kind of a lot of the ridiculous and awful things that have been sent to us that we can find community that you do feel less alone and on that note i would like to read one last encouraging uh message from a house guest 
Advice for anyone going through this. A grounding question for myself at the time was how do I define my faith? What does that look like? Would I ever be comfortable of trying to, quote, convince another queer of this same rhetoric? As tough as these moments are, especially if you're still coming to terms with your sexuality, they can actually bring you closer to God because you're redefining that relationship. It's just not by the formulated playbook these peeps are reading. And I really like that as kind of as a closing thought. Yeah, it's a really, really nice silver lining thing. And I I think the more that in life in general, we can see things as happening for us and for our good and for our encouragement, even if it feels the opposite at the time and looking for those ways that like, well, what is this giving me the opportunity to think about Mm -hmm. um, and to and to refocus my life? rededicate my life to Christ. No, (laughs) not like that, unless that's what you want, because maybe that's fulfilling. Right. We hope that it's not at the uh, urging of toxic people. Yeah, at the the expense of becoming the bigoted bestie. Do not become the thing that hurt you. So thank you to everyone who wrote in for the Praying For You playbook. I hope that you found this comforting, encouraging, cringing for the common good, if you will. Uh, and, and if you're someone who's received these messages like we have, just know that you are you are so not alone. There are people that are rooting for you and there is community and there's so much love waiting for you and that you are worth it. You are worth the work to figure yourself out and to find people that love you for exactly who you are and that value what you bring into the world. And there is nothing wrong with you. There's nothing broken about you. And when people come at you with these things, they are telling on themselves and the pain within their own heart. I know that doesn't make it easier, but they're just telling on on themselves. And if they continue to do so, we will continue to call them out on future episodes of Under Our Roof. Wholesome Queer Chaos brought to you every Monday by Semler and Lizzie. Or Grace, depending on how you know me. That's what I'm going to start saying. Just depending on how you know me. I don't know. Okay, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And hope you have a wonderful rest of your day wherever you're listening to this. Very excited to listen to this back and see if we had any audio interference. We'll see you next week on Under Our Room. Take you out nice. Give me some of your time. Maybe all of your life, cause I